friends, there's so many things that we can celebrate. We have just finished our victory training. You've heard the testimonies. Henriette, Quintus, thank you so much for sharing. Really appreciate it. We've got the 22 students at the campus conference. I think you can see that's just a, that's just an altar call. There's students from 15 campuses. There's about six to seven hundred students together in Joburg that's being ignited with a passion to reach the nation. Not just a passion to be cool Christian. Alright? Because Christianity, friends, when you preach it and when you preach it and when you understand the gospel is not a buffet. Who's had buffets? Who's had buffets in the last? Well, the January, come on, man. I'm like you, man. It's like you, you dish that plate that it can barely, you know, the plate, the plate cracks under the weight of the food. You know, it's not because it's false. Christianity and the gospel is not a buffet. It's not a place where you come and, and, and then you just dish and you grab as much as you can and you, you fold up and you walk out happy. The gospel, when presented right, is you give your life. And as you give your life, God fills you with the good stuff, the real stuff. All right? So, praise God. Praise this. I, I don't know. I can't, I can't count them. But there's at least 100 students that committed their lives to follow Jesus. To worship Him for the rest of their lives. To, to be followers. To be disciples and to make disciples. Friends, and that's what we exist for as a church. We exist to make disciples. We exist to raise leaders. That's what the growth weekend is all about. It's because you need to be equipped. Ephesians 4 tells clearly. Equip the saints for the work of ministry. Friends, we will equip you for the ministry that God has called you. Not to come into ministry. Some of you guys might be called into full-time ministry. Praise God for that. We will equip you. We will help you to be ministry leaders. But most of you are not called to be a full-time ministry. In fact, like Henriette says, it's like, you know, most of you guys think, oh my word, I'm glad God called me to full-time ministry. I'm glad He called me. I love it. All right. We think global and we act local. What happens here matters out there. If we just have the gospel in here that makes us warm and fuzzy, and we just come back for the atmosphere, and we forget that there's a city out there that needs the gospel, we will be a sad bunch of people together. We'll grow old, and the church will die with us. But friends, the gospel will not die. It's that last song we sang, well chosen, God, appreciate it. Thank God for the testimony. Let's look into the word of God. <coughs> Jesus' first call to his disciples, come follow me, and his last words to his disciples, go and make disciples. So he started his ministry by saying, come follow, and he ended his ministry saying, go make. And that's what God has been doing since the start of the New Testament church, is come follow and go make. And we're going to look at that, we're going to see how Jesus lived his life. We're going to look to Jesus and we're going to turn our eyes to Jesus and let his presence be our guide. Because where Jesus goes, I will go. Where Jesus stays, I will stay. Where Jesus asks, I will give. Where Jesus places me, I will stand. In his presence, the Bible says, his fullness of joy. At his right hand, our pleasures forevermore. Friends, where Jesus is, there's life. 
And Jesus doesn't just stay on the mountain and create a monastery. I live and work in my Ireland. We see bright lights. Come on, young people, you must watch Fred Hart. There's a crazy Irishman in that movie that you would love him because it's my island. Yeah, come on. Friends, and in Ireland, you see these monasteries, these absolutely stunning old buildings, thousands, some of them thousands of years old, that the monks build just to get away from the simple world. And we see as we read the Bible, God is not into the business of building monasteries. He's into the business of building churches. Because a monastery says, come out from amongst the bad and establish a little place and keep the bad out there. But a church is established there where it is bad. And it says, why don't you become the transforming culture in the, in the, in the community, in the darkness? We had a student meeting a while back. And I love one of the students, Daniel, Daniel from Nigeria. Daniel, they were reaching out on campuses and we, they, they, they did an outreach, you can go to the next slide. Um, they, they did an outreach on TUT and some of the students went to UMP, University of Mpumalanga. And as they came back, the feedback was, man, TUT, we really feel that there's openness in the spirit. And the feedback from UMP was, man, that's really, it's, it feels like it's tough, it's hard ground. It feels like it's dark there. And I love Daniel's heart. Daniel just spoke up. He was on a mission team from our Victoria church. And Daniel said, but didn't God call us to go to dark places? Didn't he call us to go to where it's more difficult? Because is his gospel not greater than that? Let's look at what Jesus did. Turn our eyes upon Jesus. We just, as we, as we go to Matthew 17, just running up to Matthew 17, we see great healings. We see Jesus feeding the 4,000. We see Peter having a revelation of who Jesus was. Great things happening, phenomenal stuff. And then all of a sudden, there's a shift. And there's a, they, they, they celebrate the moments, but they're preparing for mission. And Jesus starts talking about his death and his resurrection. And Jesus starts, take up your cross and follow me. So amongst all these great moments, Jesus is giving them a reality check and says, I'm going to die, guys. And I'm going to be raised to, to life again. He says, but if you take up your cross and you want me, you want me, come on, guys, follow me. You will receive true life. This is the run-up to this passage. Now, Ronaldo, Ronaldo taught at, at, at Victory Training this day, one of the best sessions on faith. You're going to have to preach that session. Because you, you taught yourself into a preach. But he said it's amazing how God takes us from our past. And we are baptized. And he sends us into a promise. How God takes us from the past. Some of you guys are going through things that you wish were past. And I tell you, God is going to use those things. And He will take you through it. He will baptize you. He will form your character. And He will take you into a promise because the gospel will not end and it will not fail. If there were 12 disciples, 12 really insignificant people culturally, Measured by culture, 
that Jesus used as a disciple. And he sent them into the Roman Empire, the most powerful empire in the world. And they changed that empire from the inside out. Twelve people turned to 500 that was told, told to go to Jerusalem. And about 300 were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And what God did there is power came on the inside and they changed the outside. God is busy doing something for us. Matthew 17. This is the moment. Let's look at what Jesus did. Let's look, let's look at what the Bible teaches us here. After six days, this is now after all these great things that happened. Jesus is, is telling the guys there's a change coming. There's a movement coming, but there's a moment that's important. Matthew 17, from verse 1. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up on a mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became white as light. Just then there appeared before Moses, uh, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Next verse, verse 4. Poor old Peter. Peter spoke up out of his ignorance. Peter said to Jesus, Look, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright light covered them, and a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Peter wants to build a church. He wants to build a monastery. Because, man, what church? Imagine we announce, we have, a, we have an announcement. Next Sunday, we're going to have three visiting speakers. Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. Anyone welcome? I think we'll fill up this hall. I think that will be an amazing moment. I think it'll be quite tempting just to hang out with those people. Moses can tell you about climbing mountains. Elijah can tell you about having fire fall from heaven and multiplying oil and, and, and flour, making bread and making bread corpses. But Jesus said to Peter, Peter, you want to build a monastery? No, 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 no. Let's, let's move on. Let's look and why there are moments like this? Why do we have moments where we have worship that touches the depth of your heart, where you can feel the Spirit of God is moving? It is crucially important that we have that. But it is also crucially important that we don't start worshipping the moments and forget about the mission that God has called us to. Because there's a moment... From a moment we go to a mission. Look at what Jesus did. Verse 6. It's so simple. It's so beautiful now. I'm going to read this. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified because they heard God's voice. They heard God speak for people. And it's a good response just to fall on your face when God speaks. Don't speak too much when God speaks. But Jesus came and he touched them and he said these things to them. He said, Get up, he said, 
Don't be afraid. When they look up, they saw no one except Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Now the rest is not on the slide, but I'm just going to read this for context. The disciples asked him, why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, to be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come. And they did not recognize him. But have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son. Jesus didn't stand the mountain. You see this message repeated in Mark chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, you can read the same thing from three different perspectives. But here's a few things. The purpose of God's, of Christ's glory, glory revealed. He creates faith in the hearts of unbelievers. I don't know where you are standing with God. But friends, when you get close to Jesus and you see Jesus for who he really is, the byproduct of that is faith. Because you're going to look at holiness and you're going to say, I want that. I want that. So one of the purposes is to speak to unbelievers. To speak to people who struggle in their relationship with God. Because if you see Jesus for who he is, there's no way your heart's going to stay the same. There's no way that you're going to walk away from Jesus, who is the salt and the light of this world, and not be thirsty for more of him. So that's the one reason. The other reason is it deepens, strengthens, and preserves the faith of believers. Because at times, you as a believer, you have signed up. Again, I'm going to quote a great teacher that I once heard. His name is Ronaldo. All right. He says, when you enroll in an army, you are part of the army, but you don't have the uniform yet. But when you pitch up and you put on the uniform and you put that badge on your chest, all of a sudden you can be identified as either an enemy or a friend. But anyone who looks at you know that there's something that backs you. There's a country that backs you because that emblem is on that. And friends, as sons and daughters of God, you have not only enrolled in an army. God says, get baptized, put on the uniform. Put the badge on. Don't be ashamed of it. That the enemy can identify you, that your friends can identify you, and that both of them can know that you are backed by something greater than yourself. Isn't that a beautiful picture of baptism? Thanks, Ronaldo. Great teaching. Friends, let us be strengthened. I don't want to park on this because this is not what I want to preach about. I haven't even started yet. <laughs> what does it mean when a preacher says he's going to finish now? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Alright. Now I'm going to be done in time. Friends, it's absolutely crucial that we have moments. But it's absolutely crucial that we remember the mission. Because if you stay in the moment, you're going to miss Jesus. Because Jesus is going to leave the mountain. Let's just say there's another mountain people. Don't worry about it, just follow me. We've got, we've got work to do because there's another mountain people. 
And we know what Jesus has raised now to us. It was a bit different. This time he didn't come down. And his disciples did. Isn't that amazing? Now all of a sudden, the problems of the devil are multiplied. Because now there's a bunch of little Jesus walking down that mountain. A bunch of little Jesus receiving the same spirit that was in the Lord. A bunch of people that look like Jesus so much so, if you look at Adam's life, if you study Genesis, he was created, Adam and Eve was created in God's image. So much so that when creation looked, they said, Jesus is coming. He that's only Adam. But he looks like Jesus. Because friends, the same way Jesus was transfigured, God is this transfigured in you. Believe me, you hear scripture. I know some of you don't. And we all who with unveiled faces. Remember Moses for me? You wish that then? The dog? Moses. Unveiled faces. Let's say something to you. Moses had to bathe his face because he was in God's presence for 80 days. When God's presence seeped into that man's physical body, that he shone. See what God wants to do with you in moments like this. And we with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory of being transformed or transfigured, say the word, into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. What happens in the moment is the Spirit of God is seeping into you. He's marinating you. He's stirring faith in you. Not to become super spiritual and weird. But to become naturally supernatural. That when you lay your hands on the sick, something happens that is just beyond barriers ability. I want to encourage you to pray for the sick. I want to encourage you, if you think God doesn't do miracles anymore, just step out on the water. Just make yourself vulnerable a little bit. Alright. The mountain is not our mission. It's not. And it's seriously important for us. The mountains is where our help comes from. It's not where we will to stay. That's what the Psalms teaches me. That my eyes are healed, where does my love come from? Come from the mountain. Because my God is not scared to walk down the mountain. Your God is not scared to walk with you into your valley. And then when you go through that valley, you will not fear. Because look at what Jesus says to the disciples a moment to a mission. Follow Jesus. Let's follow his example. Let's run after Jesus. Let's not just run after the next conference and the next conference and the next church meeting and this. Let's follow Jesus. You better go to church. Can I just be a pastor for a second? You go to church. You respect and honor and glorify and rejoice the gathering of the saints. Because the church gathers and scatters. Gathers and scatters. It's like breathing. It's like Get together, we go. A moment of mission. Verse 5 says, While he was still speaking, a bright light covered them, and a voice from heaven from the cloud said, This is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. 
Then the disciples heard this, and Jesus said to them, Get up, don't be afraid, we'll come now. Let's look at this. Listen to Jesus. Hear his voice. Observe his actions. Now remember Elijah was there, so I'm just going to tap a little bit into Elijah's life. Did Elijah hear God's voice? Yes, he heard God's voice in 1 Kings 19, verse 7 to 13. Elijah's running away from Jezebel because he's scared of the bad woman. Alright? He just killed the prophets of Baal and he just made he just made serious problems, serious hassles. All believers now he runs away in the eyes of the cave because he's depressed and he's scared. He sounds like sometimes. Ah, you guys don't know what to do. Alright, fine. Then God said to him, Elijah, in your day, go out and stand in the mountains before the Lord. Then I'm going to paraphrase, I'm going to shrink it. A great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces. And didn't hear God's voice. Then an earthquake came and didn't hear God's voice. Then a fire came and the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice spoke. So it was when Elijah heard his small voice that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Bolina? What are you doing here, disciple of Jesus? Are you waiting for the earthquake? Are you waiting for the wind to take down your mountain? Are you waiting for the for the fire to destroy your obstacles? Are you waiting for the earthquake to just make things crumble? Even if God does that, you're still going to miss His voice because His voice was not in any one of those things. His voice was a still small voice that was inside of Him that said to you, even if your mountain doesn't move, I'm with you with your Even if your obstacle stays, I'm with you and you're going to be fine. Because I do not faint and I do not fail and I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. You better hear God's voice for you. Otherwise your mountain will destroy you, your obstacle will define you. Listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Then he, he says to them, get up. Get up. This is not the easy thing. We were praying together and the zone gave me a little bit to preach. See if I go over time to a thought. Alright. This is not the end. Ezekiel saw a bunch of dry bones. What in your life do you see as dry? That's just bones. God says bones. Leave bones. <laughs> and all of a sudden things happen. And his skin and his muscles and his sinews. And the last and the most beautiful thing is his spirit. Get up. What does get up mean? Is deal with the things that keeps you passive. Stop coming to church half heartedly. Stop approaching discipleship half heartedly. Stop reading the Bible as if it is not the most powerful thing in the universe. Get up! And for different people, it's different things. But God will continue to say to you, get up. You know when is the best time to quit? 
tomorrow. <laughs> you can quit tomorrow. And when you wake up tomorrow, you say tomorrow. And the devil will not have a hair left on his head because you're going to frustrate him that much. Friends, there's time when you walk in your ministry and things doesn't happen the way it should. You are trusting God for a miracle and it doesn't happen the way you should. But the only thing that you need to do is just happen. No, great Bible. You read your word. Because the Bible promises many things about the Bible. It will not return for you. It will accomplish what it was set forth for. You will see God's goodness in the land of the living. It might not look like you want it to look, but you will see it. Because he's not a liar, and he's no man's debtor, and he sees every single step you take. When you get up in your weakness, you might look at yourself and say, but I'm so weak, I can't do it. God says, I don't care, because it's not about your strength. You might look at your neighbor that is calling you to and just say, I don't know what to say to him. He's got a doctorate degree. Oh, they're too clever for me. You know what? They don't need cleverness, they need the spirit. Get up. Elijah, 1 Kings 18. Tell you that must have been pretty intimidating. 450 priests of Baal. Not the best looking people in the world. And Elijah. Let's hold the altar. Get up, Elijah. Build the altar. And I tell you, as Elijah built that altar, I'm sure it started with a bit of fear and trembling. I don't know exactly, and I don't say much about this man. But if it was me, I would have been quite, ooh. What is God going to do now? Build the altar. Get up, Elijah. Put the wood on the altar. Put the offering on the altar. And the more he just did the simple things, I'm sure faith arose in him. Because there was a time when the bold prophet was going crazy and Elijah, man, he must have been a rough old diamond. Come on, dudes, pray but louder. There's no fire. And the prophets of Baal was doing their thing. And the wall is throwing its tantrums and it's intimidating you and it's screaming at you. And faith is arising in you. And, and Elijah said, you'll get water, put it on the altar, throw 10 buckets. And the only thing that Elijah did is he got up and he said, God, deliver And fire came down and he consumed even the altar. Get up. Dear friend, get up. Don't be pacified. Don't be, don't be fooled into this existence of passivity against the devil. Don't be intimidated. Don't have this life where you see the devil behind every bush. If he's there, that's fine. Just walk past him and kick him. And move on. Sometimes we give them so much attention we never get to where we should get. Walk past him. Get up. And he said to them, do not be afraid. Now, I know what it feels like. 1 Kings 17, you can read Elijah's life, 17 to 16. <laughs> Elijah encounters this widow and says to her, As surely as the Lord says, uh, the Lord our God lives. She replied, I don't have bread, only a handful of flour and jar of little oil. And it's been a joke. 
I'm gathering a few sticks to make to take home and to make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Not even meat. It's quite impressive. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid, go home. Do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me, for what you have, and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son. And this is what the Lord the God of Israel says the jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run down, and will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on this land. Then she went away and did as Elijah told her. There she and so there was food for her, food every day for Elijah and the woman and the family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. What does the Lord say? What do you need to hear? Because phrases is often in what we do not give. That hinders us from seeing his provision. Do you need to give humility? I'm not just talking about money. Do you need to give humility? Do you need to go to someone and humble yourself and give them forgiveness? Do you need to go to your neighbor and give them the gospel? Do you need to call a friend and invite them to church? I don't know what anyone needs to give, but you need to give something. Friends, that's just the way life is. There's every single moment in your life you put something to give. And you do not give what any man tells you to give. You give what you know in your heart God says give. And your job will not run dry. Because it is said, for the Lord has spoken. Get up. Don't be afraid to give. You will never outgive God. You God is an extravagant God. He does not only call you, but He rewards you. You get up close to the Lord. You must be going to preach that very soon. <laughs> Give yourself no half-hearted worship things. Because you worship God as an individual, and the, the root word of individual is indivisible. You cannot divide your life and give God a few pieces that you worship Him with. You worship Him with everything. With everything. Don't be afraid. He will never disappoint you. Then He says, come down. Let's walk into the harvest. Let's expect miracles. Engage with the lost, the lost and the least. Be human, just not spiritual. Be a friend of sinners. Walk down the mountain into your harvest, friends. His moment was not a place for a monastery. Jesus used the moment to launch him into mission, and the disciples followed him. And it was beautiful what Jesus did. Times like these are precious. Connect groups are precious. It's a moment that should empower you for mission. So, my question to every single one of you. Is, do you feel like you're in the bed? I want to ask you to remember the last mountain that you are. Last time God spoke. Last time God gave you direction. Just to default back to that. Just to say, God, you said that. Father, I will get up. I will not be afraid. I will come down. 
Friends, our city is waiting. There's 800,000 people in the area of Mugula. We spoke about uh, this week. I would say if we're lucky, if we're lucky, 40,000 people go to church on a weekly basis. Maybe. That's not even 5%. Or well, that is 5%. It's just over 5%. If we're lucky. That leaves us with 750,000 people that need the gospel. We are not in competition with any church. We are just at a place where we just say, Jesus, what are you saying? Because you call us to that. Friends, let's pray. Let's reach out. Let's share the gospel. Like Andre Henry said, when salt, we can teach you how to share the gospel. If you're a you will learn how to share the gospel. If you are not a great you will get into a Be disciple. Be raised up as a leader. And let us take our amazing, faithful, all-powerful, almighty God into this community and see what God does. We'll do great things. His still small voice will guide you. Let's just pray. Father, I pray that you will speak to us. Father, I pray that you will bring consolation to where consolation is needed. I pray, Father God, that you will that you will tell your sons and your daughters that you do not have to struggle to find my presence. Some of you feel that you've drifted away from God so far, you have to work at least three years just to get back to a place where he can touch you. There's no earthly father. Well, let me rephrase. There's no earthly good form that allows his son to do that. Like the father of the prodigal, he runs to you. Friends, I don't care how far you feel you've drifted from God. In this moment, just repent. God, I need you. God, come touch me again. Father, I want to experience you again like what I did the day I got saved. Lord, I want that first love again. And God, God is a quick responder. He loves you. And in this moment, God, Father, I pray that you will whisper into our hearts, get up my son, get up my daughter. Father, I pray that in this moment you will say, do not be afraid, for I am with you. My rod and my staff will comfort you. And Father, I pray that you will whisper with that, let's go down this mountain. Let's go to those who are in need. And let's step over the lines that keep us from sharing your love with them. Father, we give our lives to you as living and holy sacrifices because it's really just reasonable. Father, I pray for every person here. I pray, Father, friends, can you just take a moment, keep your eyes closed, and think of one person who needs Jesus. One couple that you might know who's facing trouble with their children, who's facing difficult, heart-breaking moments with their kids. One person that you know is 
just in desperate need to hear a message that says God loves you and he cares for you. Just think of that face and, and, and just softly between you and God, just, just say your name. Say your name. Father, we pray for these names. That your kingdom come in your life. Father, as we as a church walk down this hill with you, Father, it might not be in boldness, it might be in fear and trepidation. But Lord, as long as you are with us, it's fine. Use us to touch the city. Use us to touch the nations. Lead us by your spirit. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name.